Blog Talk Radio. my friends. It's Orthodox Easter today. It's been a beautiful Holy Week. I've been following all the churches around the world, every Orthodox, Ethiopian Orthodox, uh, um, just every single nationality and nation, the Orthodox Christians, the biggest day of the whole year is today, is Easter, is when Christ has risen. So Christos Anesti, Christ has risen. 
And I want to wish everybody happy Easter and also a happy Easter last week. I celebrated both Easter's, so it was wonderful. The opening music by it was by Save Vocal Group, and it's from the CD Native Angels by Save. You know, I really love this, and I've never gotten tired of listening to it. And it's uh, Native American instrumentals with Gregorian chanting. I never heard anything like it before, and they have a lot of new music coming out too. And you can find the Save, S-A-V-A-E, vocal group on Facebook. You can also find them on YouTube and listen to all their songs in this one too. And you can buy their CDs on Amazon.com. And again, I'm your host, Reverend Sean McCain. And I welcome listeners to uh, Sacred Sunday. The Sacred Sunday was created to provide an open uh, forum for a spirit, just spiritual focus set aside some time in the morning for meditation and prayer and keep Sunday sacred. All faiths are welcome. I personally am a Christian recovery and all Bible readings will be out of my rarely study Bible. But you, of course, may wit- use any Bible you wish. I have had many spiritual experiences and the gratitude. Uh, we have ongoing Bible readings. And uh, once in a while we discuss our spiritual experiences or something out of my book, and I also read out of other books. And I'm just being my real self and sharing the message uh, given to me. The call-in number, if you have a special request, is 619-924-9744. Sacred Sunday airs every Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Let's sit together as we bow our heads, remembering everyone in this world. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen, amen. We all pray for the Christians still being persecuted worldwide their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy, and those whose lives are taken for distorted and evil reasons, and they have become now martyrs and receive their martyr's crown in heaven. We pray for all those suffering from violence here and abroad. We pray for those who are sick in mind and body and those who are lonely and uncomforted. Please, God, forgive us our sins. We pray for those who are suffering from domestic violence in their own homes, and freedom from. we pray for freedom from addiction for all kinds. Please, God, send your Archangel Michael to fight against evil and help us fight fight ourselves, things that are negatively pulling us away and evil and, and things that are holding us down. Please protect all of us and all your angels to watch over everyone. Our prayers also go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the animals who can't speak for themselves. Please, God, please, God, help the suffering animals. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers. They have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all the countries for the problems of suffering all over the whole world. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for everything you have given us, and thank you, God, for all you have taken away from us. And thank you also, God, for what you have left us. We ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care. And everyone and their families are in our prayers for every reason things that we know and things that we don't know. We ask this in Jesus' name, and thank you, God, and Jesus, for everyone, all the blessed mothers and angels and everyone else. Thank you, God, for watching over us. Amen.
I want to say happy birthday to everybody who has a birthday today. And uh, they've already had many celebrations on Facebook. And uh, God bless you. And I wish you a very happy and prosperous year ahead. And if you have an anniversary or any special day for you or it's a memorandum of those who have passed on, you are in our prayers. And God bless you for everything. If you have uh, anything you want me to announce or you have special prayers or um, birthday requests or anniversaries, just let me know a little bit ahead of time, and I'll be very happy to say it on air. Okay, so uh, if you don't have a Bible at home, uh, you can also do online research, www.biblegateway.com. That's one of my resources. And another one that I like because it has a a concordance that's pretty easy to read is www.biblia.com. Anyway, I want to thank you all for joining us this morning, and I thank you as those who listen in archives. You know, I have my faithful listeners, and some of them are listening hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and I just am shocked, but I'm just trying to do God's will, and I want to thank you very much for uh, listening in on our show. So let's read the notes from last week. You know, we're on Romans chapter 13, and uh, Paul continues his uh, spree of advice. Everyone should obey people in positions of authority. After all, all authority comes from God. So all the authority figures running around there must have been handpicked by God. It makes sense, you know, sort of. That means if you go against someone in a position of authority, you, you are really going against God. Remember the next time you throw paper airplanes at your Spanish teacher. Oops. Anyway. Basically, Paul says, if you just keep walking straight and narrow and don't step out of line, you should be fine. If you do, don't forget, those authority figures have swords and they're not afraid to wield them. Ironic historical footnote. This is from schmoop.com. About 10 years after writing this, Paul was executed by the Roman authorities. I wonder if that might have been raised up by this thought on this section a little bit. But anyway... They're just told to comply and be a sane mind and uh, don't rail against authority because those people in authority were placed there for a reason. And uh, the, I'm going to keep my personal opinion out of this. The same thing for goals for paying taxes. Sorry, Tea Party and Henry Trudeau. You've got to pay them. If you owe money to the government, fork it over. And if you owe respect and honor to people in positions of power, then start practicing your groveling now. Don't walk around owing anybody anything, period. Oh, except love. You should owe everyone love all the time and pay it as often as you can. That is the essence of all Jewish law anyway, love. Paul thinks the Ten Commandments can pretty much be boiled down to love your neighbors as yourself. It's really pretty simple, guys. Besides, Paul tells the Romans, they know what time it is. The hour is at hand. Salvation is coming soon to a theater near you. Any minute now, Jesus is going to come down from heaven again and make some non-believers so pretty darn foolish. Yep. He's talking about the second coming. So let's all just be good little boys and girls so we can be prepared for this. Basically, just keep focused on Christ and do what's good all the time. Easy, right? Of course, they're being tongue-in-cheek with this, but we have to try our best. And uh, we were just talking about this on Friday night that um, I'm a firm believer in instead of following your bliss, actually following your, follow your blisters because it takes hard work to stay on the straight and narrow and, you know, that's what we have to do. 
is uh, get up, show up for work every day if you work for a living. And as I do, I have two jobs, I'm tired, I, I have a few illnesses and things like that. But you know what? I, I keep showing up. That's my major thing. And I, I do place my hands in the uh, hands of the doctor and I'm trying to get help for my illnesses. But anyway, why don't we turn to Romans chapter 14 now and I'll give you a little chance to look up your Bible and also I'll be reading it to you. And uh, 14 is a pretty short one. But again, uh, Paul is lecturing to us again. And it's in relation to other believers and do not judge one another. That's the title. Okay. Romans chapter 14. Now we accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinion. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The only one who eats is not in regard with contempt to the one who does not eat, and to the one who does not eat, not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Hmm. One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord. He who gives thanks to God, and he who eats not for the Lord, does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one of us dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give account to himself to God. Do not hinder another. Now we're on 13 already. We're reading chapter 14, verse 13. Therefore let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this. Put an obstacle or stumbling block in the brother's way. I know, I know, and I'm convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks it to be unclean, for him it is unclean. For if it, because of your food, your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy him with your food to him whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who is in this way serves Christ as acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue the things that make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything by your brother that cause him to stumble. The faith of which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is con- okay, let me read that, sorry. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he's eating 
is not from faith, but whatever is not from faith is sin. Wow. So again, as it is now and today in modern times, uh, food is a big controversy, and it still uh, is. So what he's saying here is judge not what people are eating. And also don't be a stumbling block to others. Let's say something is good for you. Don't drag it over to somebody else's house and eat in front of them when they're offended by you doing that. Some don't like pork. Some don't eat meat at all. You know, some people, but you know, that's what I'm trying to say. You know, just uh, be modest and uh, care about what you're doing around your, the people that you love. That's showing love. It's showing respect to others. And that if they're offended, just go eat at home, you know, and uh, and be modest in front of them. Meaning, you know, just bring something that they won't be offended by or, or something like that because we're not supposed to be wrapped up in the food issue. We're supposed to be wrapped up in the love issue. So let me read the notes now. We're on 14, 1 through 12. Paul here discusses the proper attitude Christians should have towards each other in debatable areas of conduct, things that are not clearly stated to be wrong. He says that we are not to judge one another in such manners because God is received both the weaker and the stronger, because he can differ in good conscience and because we shall all be judged by the Lord. Okay, it says weak in faith. One who does not yet have full knowledge of how to live as a Christian, in this case, is one, the case they say is one person he's talking about eats only vegetables and not meat. Believers are not judges of other believers at all, but whether weaker or stronger will be judged by God. The stronger Christian who allows himself certain liberties must be careful that his lifestyle does not place a stumbling block, something that leads to sin, or obstacle, something to trip over the, for the Christian walk in the path of another believer. Unclean, this refers to food not permitted by law. Though these restrictions no longer applied, some immature believers still applied them to their own lives. The mature brother is exhorted to abstain from those foods and also from wine, so as not to be a hindrance to his less mature brothers. Abstinence, that one may personally think it unnecessary, is better than placing temptation in a brother's way. So he put that in his notes perfectly. Okay, faith. It says, a conviction or standard in regard to these matters, every believer should have standards, but we should see that they are used to help others and never to hinder them, or make it harder on them, or actually... That's my own note, to make it harder on them and actually punish people with them. How quickly we turn, you know, I eat a bit of way than you do. Everything's a fight, isn't it? Strange. Anyway, uh, 1425. Of these matters about which there is legitimate difference of opinion, not about conduct that is clearly sinful. So there's a difference of opinion, but all on out sin, of course, is wrong. Anyway, that's, that's the notes for that chapter 14. And uh, I guess it's a good reminder to us that uh, just don't be a stumbling block for others in whatever our conduct. Uh, just just don't hurt people with it. Show love, mercy, be graceful, take the high road, whatever you want to say it. Um, you know, be a good Christian. Anyway, that's what it means to gain Christians, love one another. And that's even if you have many differences and just don't condemn another uh, for you believe something different. And it's just the way it is. So in that regard, 
you know, we have to just have dignity around each other. That's what it means to me. You know, just don't go over there ordering a half order of a whole side of a pig when your neighbor is just eating a salad. You know, you just don't do it. It's just offensive to them. And if you know it, either move to the other side of the table, don't do it, or something. You know what I mean? Just be respectful. Anyway, so now we're going to do another reading out of, I'm trying to find a story out of my beloved guidepost book. And there's a... Okay. You can climb higher. I just came upon this title, so um, I don't know what it's about yet. But you can climb higher by George Sweeting of Chicago, Illinois. And I'm going to read this. Okay, God calls us to climb higher, to pursue excellence. It takes hard work and constant commitment, but we can do it because God gives us the tools we need, faith and prayer. I know how to use these tools when I was a boy. Not long after my dad arrived in this country in 1920 as a Scottish stonemason, America experienced the trauma of the Great Depression. For about five years, little construction went on in the United States. My father couldn't find work for three and a half years, so we all took any jobs we could find. I remember as a boy selling magazines and delivering milk every Friday night and all day Saturday for a dollar a day. Our family made paper flowers and sold them door to door just to get a quarter, 50 cents, or a dollar. My parents put our house up for sale because we could not make the payments. As a family, we found the strength to keep going because we had faith that the Lord was in complete control, even in times of poverty and want. Mother would remind us, God is too good to be unkind and too wise to make mistakes. During our family uh, daily family prayer time, we found unity and renewed faith as we identified with the humiliation and poverty of the children of Israel from their desert wanderings and for their ultimate possession of the promised land. Eventually, building resumed, and my dad got a job laying brick and went on to lead a, lead a significant company. Without his and our family's faith and trust in God, however, we would have never been withstood the hard times of the Depression. Have faith, little in this world is worthy of our complete trust. The stock Older who depends upon stock sales can climb higher, often learns stocks go down as often or sometimes more frequently than up. Long ago, I made the decision to believe in God and Jesus rather than in the visible things of this world. One basic decision everyone must make for himself, shall I believe in Jesus Christ? If you do this, you'll begin to walk the path of excellence. Excellence can never be achieved without the Lord because climbing higher is not just wishful thinking. It's God's intention and plan for us. The next decision in life is, am I willing to trust God no matter how impossible the situation seems, no matter how long my difficulties continue? Too often we have faith in the short run, but not in the long run. We make it through the first months of crisis, but we become desperate in the fourth or fifth. It's difficult to keep going when you're worried about whether your spouse or child will live or die. No matter how hard you try to displace your doubts, what if he should die or become handicapped for life? What should I do? They rise to the surface. God calls us to conquer such panic, which is really doubt growing larger until it turns into fear. Fear not, for I am with you. God's promises work now, just as they did in Bible times when the Apostle Paul said, If God is for us, who can be against us? 
It's strange. We just read that, Romans 8, 31, just a couple weeks ago. Memorizing these words has helped me experience the strength that comes from understanding and believing the promises of God. Don't quit. Another barrier to faith leads to the excellence is the tendency to quit. Recently, I rented a car to travel to a small town north of Indianapolis, Indiana. My friend had given me directions over the phone. I took Route 70, as my friend instructed, rather than Interstate 465, which was the rental agent told me to take. My friend explained that 70 went straight across the city and ran into the 465, which circled the city and added extra miles to my trip. However, as 25 minutes went by and there was still no sight of Interstate 465, I began to doubt. Had, my, had I heard my friend correctly? Highways began to turn to Louisville, then to Columbus, Ohio. My friend had admitted she didn't get to the city much, and I worried that maybe her way wasn't right. I finally gave up and turned off the highway last direction. As usual, I wished I had trusted my friend's directions just a little longer. Only a few miles ahead, 465 did join 70. I avoided circling the city by taking Route 70. I had some faith, but not quite enough. What mistakes did I make? First, I wondered if I understood my friend properly. This nagging, dwelling doubt is similar to the questions of false theology that we all have heard. Did God really say that? Does God really mean that? And while we're thinking about it, we all know that miracles of the Bible can be explained by natural phenomena. Furthermore, such miracles don't happen today. They were just for biblical times. Biblical times, sorry. I have a lot of miracles in my life, so I don't quite agree with that. But anyway... Slowly, doubt creeps in and destroys faith, but we do not trust God and his word in the scripture. Second, I question my friend's ability. We need to believe that God is able. Abraham had so much faith in God's power that he believed God was able to rise Isaac from the dead. That's from Hebrews 11:19. When in doubt God, we cut ourselves off from his help. When we, excuse me, when we doubt God, we cut ourselves off from his help. Without faith, we cannot achieve excellence. The Christian life begins by faith in Jesus Christ, Ephesians 2, 2, 8-9, and we must continue by faith. In fact, without faith, it is impossible to please God, Hebrews 11, 6. I can build a house without faith. I can marry without faith. I can earn a million dollars without faith, but it is impossible to please God without faith. The greatest challenge in the Christian life is to keep the faith until the end. That is our challenge. Keep on praying. When the Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago faced the threats of, of rezoning by the city, local news reporters wasted no time in arriving at the 100-year-old mission to interview the superintendent, Harry Chandelier. How do you feel about the planning board's claim to the mission after his drawing undesirables from the South Loop and is responsible for neighborhood crimes? One reporter from the local news station thrust the microphone into Mr. Schaumler's face and asked, so what are you going to do now? The white-haired man, his features, slight frame, his features and slight frames gnarled by rheumatoid arthritis and 80 years of living didn't lash out or cite legal defense tactics. He didn't refer to the mission's outstanding contributions, thousands of men rehabilitated from drug and alcohol addiction. Instead, he replied, there's nothing I can do but pray. The future seemed bleak as he heard in the planning threats. They must have been magnified by the news reporters who badgered him with questions. But while his opposers descended on their prey, he descended to his knees to pray. What happened? 
Within a few weeks, he dropped his case without any explanation. Alfred Lord Tennyson once said, more things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. I agree. So when we did, well-known leaders like D.L. Moody, who claimed every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. Why is prayer important in the pursuit of excellence? The answer is simple. Prayer enables us to achieve excellence because it changes the events of this world. It also changes us. It is God's cure for caving in, and we should always pray and never give up. Jesus said, Luke 18.1, Jesus prayed in the face of decisions, and when we get out to the select 12 disciples, the men who continue his ministry under persecution and pressure. We knew the choice was too important to make without prayer. I'm going to continue on. This is going to be recording, but they're going to actually, my time is just about run out. So I'm going to continue reading this. So if you want to hear the rest of the story, uh, listen to it in archives. And I want to God bless you all that are still listening. And I'm going to continue reading the story so you can hear the whole thing in archives. God bless you and have a wonderful day. It says, okay, we need to pray specifically and wisely. We should determine what we really want from God. When I consult my doctor, I carefully prepare a list of questions where all my needs will be met. Who should, a cons- who should a consultation with God be any different? Robert Cook told of a missionary who was evacuated during World War II from the South Pacific Islands. He was put on a freighter that zigzagged to the enemy waters in his journey to safety. One day, the periscope of an enemy submarine appeared directly in front of the ship. That's when I learned to pray specifically to the missionary. While the enemy was looking, our ship was over. While the enemy was looking our ship over, probably trying to decide whether to sink us, we prayed over every inch of that sub. Lord, stop its motors, jam its torpedoes. Miraculously, the submarine submerged and never to be confronted again. Specific prayers we can perform miracles as long as we pray with wisdom. One of the programs on the Moody Bible Institute's radio station is a cup of cold water. It is a prayer program which the listeners are asked to pray for a specific person for an entire week. They often send cards and letters to that person. Early in June of 1981, listeners began praying for Barbara Comiskey of Wheaton, Illinois. Barbara 31 had multiple sclerosis and the young person's disease since she was 15. Multiple sclerosis attacks the central nervous system and hardens tissues in the brain and the spinal cord. It can result in paralysis and early death. When Barbara was in her late 20s, one lung collapsed, and her other lung labored in half its potential. Her bowels became dysfunctional. Thus, her case was confirmed as a severe and rare type of MS that attacks the body's organs. Barbara's breathing had become so difficult that doctors had to perform a tracheotomy. Then a respirator was attached to the hole in her neck. Her green eyes were useless, her legs were spindly and dangling, and her arms and hands turned in, and her body was twisted. Tumors grew on her hands and feet, and Barbara was admitted to an outpatient, as an outpatient in a nearby hospice. She and her family were preparing for her to die. On the morning of June 7, 1981, that's a year of my recovery, sobriety actually, Barbara's Aunt Ruth took her 450 cards and letters that had been mailed to their church by listeners. Almost all who wrote said they were praying for Barbara. 
After a church service, two women also visited her and brought additional cards and letters from them. As Barbara walked with them, her sense, she sensed the Lord telling her, My child, get up and walk. I'm not sure what you're going to think about this, but the Lord just told me to get up and walk, she told her friends. Please run and get my family, she added. I want them to be here. But Barbara could not wait. She unhooked her oxygen supply and jumped out of the bed, just as any healthy person would. Her once atrophied legs were normal again, as were her hands and arms. She had been healed instantaneously. Barbara's doctor, Dr. Harold Adolph, confirmed her experience. The patient now has none of the findings of multiple sclerosis, is walking normally, has no pulmonary problems. Since then, Barbara has completed an extensive study to become a registered surgical technologist, and 30 of the 40 hours of her work-study program were spent assisting surgeons in the same hospital that administered her long-time care. The heroes of the Kaminsky story seem to be God and Barbara, and they are. But what about the hundreds of people who prayed for Barbara and encouraged her with their letters and cards? They are dynamic participants in the drama. They answer God's call for excellence. We are the eyes of the Lord. He is looking to us to bring the concerns of his people before him. And you do not have to be a government leader or a well-known writer to achieve excellence. It's the quality that you do that counts, not your occupation. Prayer is necessary to excellence. There's a lifeline between a lifeline between earth and heaven. Any army is stranded without its shortwave radios, walkie-talkies, and computers. And God's army is no different. Prayer provides the instant communication and ultimate power to enable us to accomplish his work here on earth. Well, it's such an awesome story. I want to thank you all for listening. God bless you all, but hang in there. And then we just I decided to read the whole entire story. And God bless you all very much for your listening and for tuning into the church, our little church service this morning. And somehow I felt really touched by your presence and, and your love. And I want to thank you, uh, whoever was praying for me, because I need your prayers also. So if you want to study more about Romans on your own, you're welcome to go to www.shp.com. There are a great bunch of Harvard uh, students that have decided to read the Bible and give you uh, their version of the whole thing. And uh, I really love it. They're humorous, but yet they tell exactly what's going on. Okay, so we're going to have our closing prayers, and I want you to come back again next week, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Love you very much, and thank you for everything. So as we have a traditional moment of silence for those who are out there still suffering, God, Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. In closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms so you may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. Remember, you're never alone. God loves you, and may your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. If you have any way you want to message me or send me a note or anything like that, you're welcome to Sharon McCain, P.O. Box 980, Hermosa Beach, California, 90254. You can also find me on Facebook. Bye-bye, my friends. Happy trails to you. God bless you. Have a great day ahead. And Christos, namaste. Happy Easter. Bye-bye.